0: Good morning, Christ Fellowship Church. My name is Josh Krask, and I am excited to be able to bring the word this morning from Micah. Um, for those of you who don't know me, like I said, my name is Josh. I've been coming to Christ Fellowship for um, five and a half, six years now. I was able to join um, the winter of my freshman year. So I've been here for a little bit now. Uh, my wife Bethany and I serve with the youth group here. Been doing that for three years this summer. So um, that's been a joy for us to be able to serve. If I haven't met you, I would love the chance to meet you either today or in the coming weeks. If you don't recognize me or have no idea who I am, uh, up until last week I had a handlebar mustache. So I'm, I'm that guy. Um, so I have been around, I just look a lot different now. Uh, So if you will go ahead and turn in your Bible to Micah, we're going to continue where we left off last week in Micah chapter 5. We're going to finish out that chapter today and be in verses 5 through 15. Okay, once you're there, I'll read for us. Micah chapter 5, verse 5, this is the word of the Lord for us. When the Assyrian comes into our land and treads in our palaces, then we will raise against him seven shepherds and eight princes of men. They shall shepherd the land of Assyria with the sword and the land of Nimrod at its entrances. And he shall deliver us from the Assyrian when he comes into our land and treads within our border. Then the remnant of Jacob shall be in the midst of many peoples, like a dew from the Lord, Like showers on the grass, which delay not for a man, nor wait for the children of man. And the remnant of Jacob shall be among the nations, in the midst of many peoples, like a lion among the beasts of the forest, like a young lion among the flocks of sheep, which, when it goes through, treads down and tears in pieces, and there is none to deliver. Your hand shall be lifted up over your adversaries, and all your enemies shall be cut off, And in that day, declares the Lord, I will cut off your horses from among you and will destroy your chariots. And I will cut off the cities of your land and throw down all your strongholds. And I will cut off sorceries from your hand and you shall have no more tellers of fortunes. And I will cut off your carved images and your pillars from among you. And you shall bow down no more to the work of your hands. And I will root out your Asherah images from among you and destroy your cities. And in anger and wrath... I will execute vengeance on the nations that did not obey. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this beautiful morning. God, we praise you that you have allowed us to gather together as your body, to worship you. God, to sing praises to your name and to learn from your word that you have for us this morning in Micah. God, we thank you for this word, Lord, I ask that you would work in this place by the power of your spirit, God, that you would speak to us through your word, not by anything that I have prepared to say, but God, from the power of your word, by the power of your spirit, would you teach us this morning, God, stir our hearts desire for you. God, move our affections for you this morning through your word, and God, would your name be glorified today. Lord, we thank you and we love you, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we want to be blessed, right? We want to live a blessed life. We talk a lot about that as a church, and we talk a lot about that even in the South, that we, we want blessing, we want to receive blessing. We want to be a blessing to others. That word blessing gets thrown around a lot. What does it look like? What does it mean to live a blessed life? For some, maybe it looks like a good job. A good cushy job. A good car to drive. A good nice big home to come home to at the end of the day. Maybe that's the blessed life. Maybe if you're in college, the blessed life is making good grades, and maybe finding the perfect spouse in your friend groups or at your campus ministry, that could be the blessed life. Maybe if you're a kid here this morning, the blessed life looks like summer that doesn't end and sweet treats at the pool every day. I've been there. I don't think any of those would be the blessed life. I think what we're going to see this morning from our text in Micah is what the Lord has in store for us as a blessed life, as a blessed people. Now, you might look at this text, verses 5 through 15 of chapter 5, and say, I I don't know where we're getting blessing out of this. The rest of Micah has not really been very blessing heavy. We'll get there. I think we can see this morning that the Lord will bless his people, and we're going to see that in a few different ways um, before we get there. Let's set the stage. Let's think back about where we've been in the book of Micah. For some of us, if you haven't been with us, we're several weeks into a study of Micah now. And what Micah has been doing from chapters 1 through 5, from where we started to where we are now, is setting up the case for the sin of the people of Israel. Pastor Jody and Pastor Joe have said it several times What Micah is doing and what the minor prophets intend to do is show what's wrong with Israel and what's going to be done about it. And so we saw in chapters 1 and 2 that God's people, Israel, had wandered away. That was the very first week in this series. Jody taught to us from chapters 1 and 2 that the people had wandered into sin and idolatry. They had veered off the path that the Lord had set for them. They had wandered into injustice they had turned away from the path that the Lord had set for them. In chapter 3, we saw that the people were in need of a leader to step up to the plate. Their leaders were corrupt. Their prophets and their priests and their leaders, they were unjust. They let just injustice, um, injustices run rampant among them. They were unfaithful. They needed a faithful priest or leader to step up. We saw two weeks ago from chapter 4, Pastor Joe led us uh, in Chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, we saw a vision of heaven. We saw a vision of the Lord gathering his people, establishing the house of the Lord as the highest of the mountains. We we saw this vision ahead for the people. And then last week in chapter 5, Pastor Jody pointed us ahead to a shepherd king who would rule in Israel. And so we get today, and what I think we see today in the rest of chapter 5 is Micah pointing ahead to how the Lord will bless his people through this shepherd king. I think we see three main ways that the Lord will bless his people through the shepherd king. So that's my goal for us this morning is to see the Lord's plan for his blessed people through his shepherd king that he is bringing. And the first thing we see is that the shepherd king delivers His people. Okay, I think we see that mostly in verses five and six. I'll I'll draw out verses seven through nine there as well. But the Lord will send his shepherd king to deliver his people. Right, we've established from chapters one through four all the way up until now that the people are sinful. They've got a heart issue. They turn time and time again to sin, to idolatry, to worshiping things other than. Than their creator, That much is clear through this book. That much is clear throughout the rest of the Old Testament. We have countless times where the people have turned from the Lord. That's the message of the prophets. What's wrong with Israel and what's going to be done about it? So what's wrong is that the people are sinners. They have a heart condition. They are bent towards sin. And it has been that way since the fall in Genesis 3. They've been given the law. They've been given guidelines for worshiping the Lord, and they haven't kept it. They haven't done it time and time again. They break the law. They don't worship the Lord. They worship false idols. They listen to false teachers. They're swayed by the people that are around them, drawing them away from the Lord. So that's what's wrong. So what we come to today is what's going to be done about it. Something is very clearly wrong. What's going to be done about it? Well, the first thing we come to is that there's going to be an invasion. The people will be attacked. The people will receive judgment. We open off in that first full sentence of verse 5. When the Assyrian comes into our land, that's what's going to be done. There's going to be some invasion, some siege against Israel. Verse 1 of chapter 5 says, Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. The people are going to be attacked. 2 Kings describes this attack from Assyria. And it talks about the timeline that matches up with what Micah has described. During the year of King Hezekiah, Assyria comes up against Israel. This is in 2 Kings chapter 18. Assyria has come up against Israel. And the the book of 2 Kings tells us exactly why and how they overcome Israel. Says because they did not obey the voice of the Lord their God, but transgressed His covenant, even all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded, they neither listened nor obeyed. In the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah, and took them. And so that's what Micah is pointing the people to. There's going to be an invasion. The Assyrians are coming, and it's going to be justified because you have sinned against the Lord. This judgment is coming. Lucky for the Israelites, that's not the end of the story, and that's not the end of our text this morning. Upon proclaiming that the Assyrians would come into their land, Micah declares in verse 6 that their shepherd king will be raised up and deliver them from their enemies. He's going to deliver them, according to Micah, from the Assyrians when he comes into our land and treads within our border. That's in verse 6. Now what we can look at throughout the Old Testament is that they can be delivered from the Assyrians. And they are delivered from the Assyrians. We can read later in 2 Kings that the Lord rescues them from the hand of the Assyrians. But I would argue that's not the deliverance that Micah's pointing them ahead to. Because throughout his, history, Israel's enemies have come against them And attacked them and prevailed against them. They've taken them out of their land. After the Assyrians, when the Israelites are rescued from the Assyrians, years after that, the Babylonians invade. And they take Israel out of their land. So this deliverance from Assyria doesn't do much good then. They've been attacked by the Babylonians. After they're rescued from the Babylonians, Rome comes in and invades and occupies Israel. Israel. So their physical deliverance is not much help when you look at the line of history and all the attacks that's going to come against Israel. No, what Micah is pointing them ahead to is a deliverance from their heart condition. We've established throughout all of the Old Testament that Israel has a problem. There's something wrong, and something needs to be done about it. Micah is pointing them ahead to a shepherd king who can deliver them from their heart condition, who can save them from their sin. Yes, Israel wants to be delivered physically from the Assyrians, but what Israel needs so much more is to be delivered from their sin. We know that while this prophet is speaking to the Israelites and into their situation, that he's pointing them ahead, we can cling to these same promises that Micah is pointing the people to because just like the Israelites, no, we're not being attacked by the Assyrians. But we too have a heart condition. We need deliverance. Might not feel like it today. Might I come in here today feeling pretty comfortable? Pretty easy coming in here this morning. But we need deliverance from our sin, from the heart condition that ails us. We need our Heavenly Father to deliver us from that to himself. Luckily, we have the same shepherd king that Micah has prophesied. Our shepherd king Jesus came and died on the cross, bearing the weight of our sin, which separates us from the Lord. We have a shepherd king who will deliver us from our sin, not because of anything we bring to the table, but because of his own good will and for the sake of his glorious name. So the Lord's going to deliver his people by the hand of his shepherd king. And what's he going to deliver them for? I think we see in verses 7 through 9, this is a tricky bit of text, but in verses 7 through 9, the people are going to be delivered from their sin for a specific purpose. The people are going to be delivered, and then they're going to be in the midst of many peoples. We see that in verse 7. Like a dew from the Lord, like showers on the grass down in verse eight, the remnant of Jacob shall be among the nations in the midst of many peoples. Once the Lord delivers his people, they will be a blessing to the nations. We're delivered from our sin, but we're not left there. We are sent out to be a blessing. Just as the Lord was going to use the Israelites as a blessing. That promise for the people of the Lord goes all the way back to Genesis. The Lord has been promising to his people that through them, he would bless the nations of the earth. He promised it to Abraham. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. All the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. All the way back to Genesis is that promise. And then we can look ahead to 2 Corinthians. This promise is still true today that the Lord is going to bless the nations, bless the people through his people who he's delivered. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 15 and 16 say, I'm sorry, verses 14 through 16 say, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God we speak in Christ. So the people are to be a blessing to the nations that they are among. And to the enemies, Micah describes them as a lion. 2 Corinthians describes us as a fragrance of death to those who are not in Christ. So we've been saved Delivered by our shepherd king. We've been blessed in that deliverance and we've been blessed in order to be a blessing. So I think that's the first way that the Lord blesses his people through their shepherd king. The second way is that the shepherd king will bring peace. Shepherd king will bring peace. I think we see that in verses 10 and 11. 10 starts off, In that day declares the Lord. In that day. In what day? What day is Micah talking about? He doesn't really transition us very well. He just says, in that day, and expects us to know what he means. Well, we can look back a little bit to what we heard a couple weeks ago. In chapter 4, verse 1, Micah says, It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains. So there we've got Micah pointing the people ahead to some future day when the Lord's going to draw his people to himself. Further down in chapter 4 in verse 6, Micah says, In that day, declares the Lord, I will assemble the lame and gather those who have been driven away and those whom I afflicted. And the lame I will make the remnant and those who were cast off a strong nation. And the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from this time forth and forevermore. So we've got a couple instances where Micah is pointing the people ahead to some future date. And then here in chapter 5, he revisits it. He says, in that day, declares the Lord. And then he proceeds to tell us what the Lord's going to do in that day. And the first thing that the Lord will do is bring peace. He says, I will cut off your horses from among you and will destroy your chariots. I will cut off the cities of your land and throw down all your strongholds. So on that day, the day when the Lord is gathering his people to himself, when he has delivered his people from their enemies and brought them into communion with him, when he's established that mountain of the house of the Lord as the highest of the mountains, in that day, there's not going to be a need for chariots and horses. We won't need our cities and our strongholds. No, he's going to get rid of all those things. Now, we've, we've heard it a few times the last few weeks about the peace of the Lord. From chapter 4, the Lord says that when the people go up to the mountain of the Lord, there will be peace. Um, we see that in chapter 3 of verse 4. Last week, from Pastor Jody's sermon, we ended with the phrase, he shall be their peace. He being the shepherd king. So the people are expecting this peace, but we've already heard today that the Assyrians are coming. So how on earth is there going to be Peace. The Assyrians are going to invade, and yes, the shepherd king's going to deliver. But then the Lord says he's going to get rid of all their weapons. He's going to get rid of their horses and their chariots and their strongholds. What's going on there? I think the psalmist draws a good uh, comparison here. The psalmist in Psalm chapter 20, verses 6 through 8 says, Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed, He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. So on the tales of being captured and brought down by their enemies, and then the shepherd king coming in to deliver his people, the shepherd king is going to bring peace. How is he going to bring Peace by getting rid of all their tools and means of war, all the safety that they had been banking on. The people of this day would have counted on their horses and their chariots. That was their military prowess. That's what would have given them comfort at night, that when the Assyrians came, they would have their horses and chariots to go get the Assyrians. They had their cities and their strongholds. They had big walls to protect themselves in their city. What's the Lord doing getting rid of all these things when they know that the Assyrians are out there, and then eventually the Babylonians are out there trying to get them. What? What's the purpose in getting rid of their instruments of war? It seems harsh. How is that a blessing? How is it a blessing for the Lord to get rid of those military instruments? It's a blessing because, as the psalmist said, the people trust in those things. The people were banking on their chariots and their horses. They were trusting in those things more than the Lord to provide for them and to make good on his promises. But in that day, no more. In that day, declares the Lord, they won't need to place their trust in the things that have been giving them comfort. They won't need to be secured by their cities and their strongholds because the Lord their shepherd king will be their peace yes the Israelites would have read of this as a a physical peace but again like the deliverance that the Lord's promising the peace that the shepherd king brings is so much more than just military peace no the shepherd king delivers the people to peace with God Right now, we read this in the New Testament, in our sin and Israel, in their sin, they're enemies of God. Now, an enemy of God can't possibly have peace. So what Micah's pointing them to is a shepherd king who's going to deliver them from their enemies, bring them into peace, into right standing with God. Church, what are we trusting in for peace this morning? What are we banking on for security, for peace, for comfort? It might not be like the Israelites, banking on their horses and their chariots. In fact, I hope you're not placing your trust in horses and chariots. Do we trust in our political affiliations? Is that what brings us peace? Is who's in the White House, if they align with your views, is is that what brings us peace at the end of the day? What about our financial situation? Sometimes our financial situations can cause a bit of anxiety. Are we trusting in that for peace? When we've got enough money to pay the bills, to live a comfortable life, is that what brings us peace? What about our social status? The friends we surround ourselves with? The people that we spend our time with and hang out with? Is that what brings us peace? I hope not. Church, nothing that we trust in for peace other than our shepherd king and the gospel of Jesus Christ will bring us peace. We can put our trust in all of those other things that I just listed. And at the end of the day, we'll come up short. Now, the only way that we can be brought from enemies of God to be adopted as children of God is by the life of God the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the only way. That's the only thing that can bring us peace this morning. Church, we can work and strive and toil all our lives for peace, for comfort, for status, whatever it may be. You will not have peace apart from the good news that Jesus Christ died on the cross, bearing the weight of our sin, bearing the separation from the Father, so that we can be brought near, so that we can be given peace, so that we can no longer be enemies of the Father. There's no peace in anything other than the gospel of Jesus, other than our shepherd king who brings peace. So that's the second blessing that the Lord has for his people. And the third and final blessing that I see uh, from this passage comes from verses 12 through 14 where the shepherd king will be praised. The shepherd king will be praised. And it's a blessing to praise the shepherd king. So we read in verses 12 through 14 that he's going to cut off sorcerers. He's gonna get rid of fortune tellers. He will cut off carved images and pillars from among them. They won't bow down anymore to the work of their hands. And he will root out their Asherah images, destroy their cities, Basically, the Lord's gonna get rid of all the evil and temptation that had been plaguing the land for such a long time. Right? We've we've read it throughout this book. I've talked about it this morning. The people of Israel were a sinful people. They were constantly looking to other things for peace, for comfort, and for satisfaction other than the Lord. But in that day, the Lord's gonna get rid of all the evil and temptation, all the idols of their land. He's going to get rid of their high places that they turn to worship things other than the Lord. He's going to get rid of the works of their hands, the things that they had made that they were praising more than the Lord. He's going to get rid of all the things that they place confidence and hope in, like their military strength and their safety. He's going to get rid of idols, specific idols. He mentions the Asherah images. Uh, If you're not familiar with an Asherah, it is a goddess of fertility from the Canaanites. It's strictly forbidden for worship. Uh, It's laid out very clearly in the law of Moses in the book of Deuteronomy. The Lord's going to get rid of all those things that they're returning to. Why is he doing that? Again, like, like with the Lord bringing peace, it doesn't seem like much of a blessing to get rid of things that were Maybe bringing joy and satisfaction to the people. How's that a blessing? It's because the presence of the Lord is so much greater. We read in Exodus 34, the Lord told the people, He said, "Take care, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land to which you go, lest it become a snare in your midst. You shall tear down their altars and break their pillars and cut them, cut down their ashram." For you shall worship no other god. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. The Lord had told them. When he established the law, he said, you're not going to worship anything else. No idols, no works of your hand. You're not going to let the nations around you affect your worship because I'm a jealous God. And here we are with the Israelites clearly worshiping Asherah images. Idols. From the nations around them. They had let these idols come into their land. They had let their neighboring nations affect their worship, just as the Lord had told them not to. But the Lord, their God, is a jealous God. He will not fight for their attention. No, in that day, on the day of the Lord, He's going to get rid of all the distractions, all the idols. All the things that fight for the people's attention. And while we read this from Micah to the people of Israel, the same will be true of us on that day. The Lord's going to get rid of all of our idols, all the works of our hands that we're trusting in and placing our faith in, and the things that we're worshiping. So we need to ask ourselves this morning what are we worshiping? What are we praising today? What wins the battle for our time and our attention? Is it a job? Is it kids? Hobbies, maybe? Money? Status? Whatever it is, what's winning the battle for your time and your attention? No, our God is a jealous God. He's not going to let praise that is rightly due to his name go to anything or anyone else. So the Lord's going to take these things away from them and it will be good that he does because he's, by doing so, he's giving the people the blessing of praising his name. Church, we read that in his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. We read elsewhere to taste and see that the Lord is good the Lord, our shepherd king, is deserving of our praise today and forevermore, not just on that day. If you're worshiping anything else this morning besides the Lord, you're robbing yourself of fullness of joy in the presence of the Lord, and you're robbing the Lord of the glory that is due to his name. So I want you to ask yourself this morning. No one else can ask you that and answer honestly. I can't answer for you. Your family and friends can't answer for you. They could probably give good guesses. But only you can honestly answer, what are you worshiping this morning? Consider your life and the places that your time and your money and your resources goes. Evaluate what changes need to be made in order to worship the Lord. Because the Lord has a blessing for the people who are praising him this morning. Jesus declares it during the triumphal entry that if praises to his name are silenced, other things will step up to the plate and praise him. During the triumphal entry, Jesus' disciples and a whole multitude of people was praising the name of the Lord. And the Pharisees said, uh, they told Jesus, you need to get your disciples to quiet down, basically. Jesus said, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. If we're not praising him this morning, something or someone will be. He will have the praise that's due to his name. So I invite you this morning. Praise the Lord. Enter into his presence. He's inviting you to come to him this morning. Church, I hope that you will answer the invitation. Come into his presence where there's fullness of joy. And be blessed. We come to the last verse, verse 15. And in light of all the blessings that the Lord has for his people, which are fantastic blessings, he'll deliver his people. He'll bring them peace. And he will allow them to praise him forevermore. Then we close out with verse 15, which is a somber warning. It says, In anger and wrath I will execute vengeance on the nations that did not obey. Church, we're called to be a people that when the Lord, our shepherd king, delivers us, it's a blessing for us, and we're called to be a blessing to others, a blessing to the nations. We're given the great commission to go out and make disciples of all nations, and it's a blessing for them when we do so. We're not blessed with deliverance and peace so that we can sit back, resting on our laurels, waiting for the day of the Lord, waiting for that day when we're brought into his presence. No, we're not delivered from our enemies for waiting for that day. No, with all these promised blessings, we've been given a charge. Church, the nations that don't obey will experience the right wrath and judgment of the Lord. It's a somber warning. We can't get around it this morning. The Lord will act justly for those who don't respond to the gospel, who don't obey. But we've been given the blessing to go and tell. We've been given this blessing to go bless those around us. Church, church, Our neighborhood needs to hear this blessing. Our neighborhood needs to hear the invitation. Our city needs this invitation. The nations need to hear how they can be a blessed people. Church, we're not called to be a blessing and stop there. We're called to be a blessed people and go and invite others to be a blessed people along with us to praise and worship the Lord, to be delivered from their sin by the blood of Jesus Christ and to walk with us as our brothers and sisters. That's what we're called to this morning. So don't hear these blessings this morning and go and rest complacent in those blessings. It's so easy to do. I'm guilty of it. Go and be a blessing because you've been blessed by the gospel and by the promises of the Lord. Let's go tell everyone how they can be a blessed people. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you again just for this text this morning. Um, God, we praise you for all of your word, all of scripture, even the tough passages. God, we praise you for delivering us from our sin. We praise you for the peace that you invite us into, that we no longer have to be your enemies, but God, we can be your children because of the blood of Jesus Christ. God, we praise you this morning, and we pray humbly that you would allow us to praise you rightly and as you deserve. Today and moving forward, God, would you glorify your name through Christ Fellowship Church. Lord, we pray that you would move us out into our community to be a blessing. God, to invite our neighbors to experience what it is to be a blessed people. God, would you send us out to the nations so that the nations would hear of your glory and would respond. God, so that the nations could join us in being a blessed people. Lord, we praise you and we love you. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.